RC. See you out there, boy. Yeah. See you. Yeah. yeah. I gave you fair warning. Y'all ready? Smack him in the mouth now. I gave you fair warning. Beware. Beware. Smack him in the mouth. Yeah. I gave you fair warning. Smack him in the mouth. I don't think they ready, I gave you yeah, yeah, yeah. They better get ready. <laughs> Yo, uh, it's Phil Flames. I went mic on the mic. What's up, the brand new one time for your mind? He gave you fair warning. Now it's time to smack him in the mouth with that raw sports talk from the town. Sweet chin music to your favorite sportscaster. Mike on the mic with sports talk that matters. Reppin' for the West, see the palms in the logo. Mike on the mic, sports pod, let's go. I gave you fair warning, beware. Tuned into the first episode of the Mike on the Mike Sports Podcast. I am Mike, and I am on the mic of the most electrifying sports podcast in the game today. Guys, we are here. The first episode of the Mike on the Mike Sports Podcast. I've been hyping it up for about a week, so hopefully I live up to the hype. But I want to, before I do anything, give a special thanks to Phil Flames and RC Productions. Phil Flames produced the uh, the lines for the intro, and man, it is fire. It is perfect. I love the part where he's talking about giving a sweet chin music to your favorite sportscaster. Anyone that knows me knows that I will debate you tooth and nail, and in the last couple weeks, I think I've won almost every debate I've gotten myself into. Anyway, <laughs> gotten myself into. That's funny. But anyways, and then, of course, Renee R.C., uh, Renee was on the show before and he's produced all the beats for the show and he's still doing that and I appreciate you so much Renee for everything that you've done for me and everything you've done for the show make sure you go check him out at RC Productions on the Instagram I'll have them both tagged on the Instagram and multiple posts so you guys can definitely go and check them out without further ado we got a great show to unravel here for you today and I hope that you stay and listen to the whole thing but if you want to fast forward to a certain topic you fast forward to a certain topic Whatever you want to do, go ahead and do it. Just enjoy uh, what I got to put out. Uh, I just love sports, man. And a little background, uh, I spent the last three years serving overseas, serving my country. So being back and enjoying sports again is is really a pleasure. And starting this podcast is probably one of the best decisions I've made in my life. It's given me something to focus on. It's given me something to distract me from uh, things that happen over there. And it's it's just it's a great time overall. So I'm appreciative to Renee, obviously, and I'm appreciative to the Kamal Man Sports viewership, and I'm appreciative to the people that have continued to follow and continue to support me into this new podcast anyways i got three topics for you just like we did before uh we're going to start off by talking about the five things that i've learned from uh living in a world with covid and sports together simultaneously kind of things that we've we've learned as a sports nation about what covid effect on sports and people that have prevailed people that have fallen and i'm gonna get all into that first and then second i'm going to talk about are the lakers still the favorite to win the nba finals because man we're seeing some surprising things out of some teams this break definitely shook things up and definitely expect to see some upsets possibly in the playoffs this year so i'm gonna get all into that and then third i'm going to talk about a segment called know their role and shut your mouth so basically i'm (laughs) gonna be talking about the Dak prescott situation i have a completely different take than most people have on the Dak Prescott situation. I'm going to fully break that down for you. And hopefully I can change the minds. I probably won't. It's going to be a little controversial. 
But yeah, stay tuned for that. I'm going to close the show with that. And then in the middle of the show, at some point, we're going to have a full fantasy breakdown of Carson Wentz. Every week, myself and my friends over at Fantasy Docs, uh, he's actually a doctor, a sports medicine doctor, and he is going to help me break down fantasy player each week. I'm going to have a poll up on my Instagram probably the day after the show drops to prepare for the next week. This week it was between OBJ and Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz got more votes. So we're going to be doing a full fantasy breakdown of Carson Wentz, where he should be drafted, should you draft him, what's the upside, what's the downside, ceilings, floors, all of it. I'm going to go over everything. So definitely stay tuned for that as well. That'll be kind of towards the middle of the show. So here we go. Without further ado, let's get into the first topic. Let's get some sports heat out here. Let's electrify. Let's have some fun as well. Still the discussion ongoing here. Michael, we don't know what they're talking about. No, not, not at all. Rudy Gobert has tested positive for the coronavirus. The NBA is suspending the season. There were so many questions surrounding what the effect of COVID was going to be on sports, especially when you saw the NBA shut down and you saw baseball kind of say, oh, we got to postpone our season, and it just all kind of fell from there. Everyone shut down from there, and it's it's just been tough. It's been tough as a sports fan. It's been tough, I'm sure, for the athletes. It's been tough for management and all the people that work for sports organizations because you don't know what's going to happen. And now that sports is back, I kind of just want to cover uh, five things that we've learned from living in a world with sports during a pandemic. So five things that we've that we've learned basically in the last week and a half and how COVID is going to affect sports and, and some of the questions that we had that, are, that were unknown are now answered. So I'm going to go over those, starting with five and going up to one. Uh, five, athletes are human too. You know, lately more than ever, we are learning how humans these athletes are. Uh, even if they seem like superheroes, you know, they're humans still at the end of the day. For good things or bad things uh, that we've seen, we, we're letting into the players' minds and into their lives more than ever with this because they all have to share their opinions on the Black Lives Matter movement. They all have to share their opinions on COVID-19 and we're starting to see that these guys have kids, they have wives, they have families, they have lives that they have to live. And yes, it does look like a lot of fun to be an NBA or an NFL or MLB player, but you know, they're people just doing a job out there. And that's what we're kind of seeing more than ever. It's being exposed that, you know, LeBron James has a family. You know what I mean? All these guys have families. They they, they have lives that they live outside of sports and they got to take care of themselves the same way we do. They got to take care of their health. They got to take care of their finances. They got to take care of everything the same way that we do. And they have to risk some things to get the things that they have just like we do. So despite them looking like superheroes on TV, they're just people just like all of us that were just, you know, born with a gift and they worked their butts off to, to sculpt their bodies and their minds into being the athletes they are today. So just appreciate your favorite athlete appreciate them for the human that they are and not just the athlete that they are um, they may be a superhero to your eye right now but in all reality they're living a life man they're living their lives just like we're living our lives and they got to take care of themselves just the way we got to take care of ourselves so let's just be aware of that while we're watching these athletes go through what we're going through today and how they're playing today and, I, and i'm appreciative to the athletes so uh, i applaud them i applaud them Number four, the fourth uh, thing that I say that I've learned dealing with COVID and sports, that Adam Silver is the best commissioner in sports today. No doubt. Uh, I was already a big fan of Adam Silver before this, but this NBA restart has made Adam Silver look like possibly the best commissioner of all time. I mean, if we're being real, 
Think about what he has done with the NBA and what they have overcome to finish this season in the safest and, and most impactful way possible. You know, for one, when this started, he shut the season down immediately. The bravery that that took and, and the quality of leadership that took to make that decision to shut down the season in the name of the player safety, man, that is, I applaud to him. That is, that is some great leadership right there because who knows what would have happened if he would have left it open for another week, right? He could have forced the season to go a little bit longer and risk the health of the entire league, but instead he limited the positive cases by shutting down the league immediately, you know, despite the financial effect that it was going to have on the league, which I'm sure was probably millions, maybe billions of dollars, to be honest. And and then while shut down, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement picked up and it, it kind of went to another level and, and it should have, you know what I mean? What happened, it deserved to go to another level. But what does the NBA do in response? You know, they get on board full go and use their platform in sports uh to kind of just spread the message of social justice and to tell you know the Black Lives Matter movement that the NBA is on their side and Adam Silver's and basketball and the NBA in general have always been kind of the leaders in my opinion of the social justice movement. You don't see Adam Silver telling players what to do when it comes to their beliefs politically and socially and religious any of that stuff like you know you've seen in the NFL before or you've seen in other sports before but Man, I just, to see all the things that happen in the world and how the NBA has reacted to all of it, it seems like they've done the perfect thing so far. And that's that's why I think Adam Silver might be the best commissioner, maybe in sports history, to be honest. Because I don't know if anyone's ever had to deal with what Adam Silver has to deal with in 2020. Despite all of this, the NBA has restarted with phrases from the Black Lives Matter movement on players' jerseys and televised displays of unity during the national anthem. Also, the NBA has restarted with zero coronavirus tests by players in the bubble. Man, bravo to the NBA and bravo to Adam Silver, man. I appreciate you so much. Three, anyone can win the World Series this year. That is something that I have realized in the first couple weeks of baseball season. A team that starts the season hot could realistically shock Everyone in the playoffs. I mean, look at examples like the Padres or Rockies, man. We are approaching the one-third mark. You heard me right. We are at the one-third mark just about of the regular season, and they're at the top with teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Astros. Or normally in this situation, at this time in the season, they're like five or six or seven or eight or nine, even ten games behind at this point of the Dodgers. So... If this kind of hot streak continues, we could see major surprises in the playoffs this year from teams like the Rockies or the Padres or, or other teams. This is why I have the Angels because I think that's a team that could get hot later on in the season and take off in the playoffs with the players they have and the experience they have on the team. So, you know, teams like that, they could, they could surprise everyone in the playoffs. And despite being a Dodgers fan, I am excited for the upsets that we may see in the MLB playoffs this year, if we can get to the MLB playoffs, it's getting a little, a little rough out there for baseball. So we'll see what happens with that. Two, the number two thing that I've learned uh, living in a world during a pandemic with sports going at the same time that the NFL should definitely consider a bubble, or maybe even consider doing multiple bubbles for the NFL season in 2020. You know, looking at the state of baseball. Versus the state of basketball right now is a bit shocking. We have seen 
multiple teams have COVID-19 breakouts in their locker rooms in, in the MLB, and it is not looking good for them to even finish the season right now. No one knows what's going to happen with baseball. They're trying to push through this, but they need to they need to come up with some change for the player safety uh, at the minimum, man. It, it's the safety of the players, their families, and all the people around the players, basically, and all the people around the staff and the management on those teams. So baseball's looking kind of cloudy right now. Uh, you know, this led to long postponed games uh, and, like I said, a potential shutdown of the MLB season just as it's picking up, man. We're just getting started. I'm getting excited, you know, seeing some highlights from players and everyone is looking like they are still very good at baseball. It's just whether or not we can keep this season going with the coronavirus outbreaks. I mean, at a certain point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get in every locker room. It's just inevitable, man. This thing is spreading and it's spreading quickly. And it's going to get in every locker room with the way that they are having to live to keep the season going like this. On the other hand, like I said earlier, the NBA has successfully created a safe playing environment for their players in the in the Orlando bubble. So, you know, and they've proven that we can have sports while we live through the pandemic of the century, if you want to call it that. Um, if I was the NFL commissioner and the team around him running the NFL, I'd seriously consider having the NFL season played in a bubble. Or, you know, it seems a little unrealistic, possibly multiple bubbles. Just just hear me out for a second. What if they had multiple bubbles, right? That sounds kind of improbable, but I think it's doable. What if they had like one or two bubbles on the West Coast, one or two bubbles in the middle of the country, and one or two bubbles on the East Coast, and the only time the players leave the bubble is to travel to another bubble. So that way it seems more doable, right? Because teams traveling and then being in a different city and everything – I feel like that's really dangerous. So instead of traveling to a bunch of different cities, they only have to go from bubble to bubble. And in order to travel, they have to test negative. In order to play in a game, they have to test negative. They test negative daily or every other day uh, to, to stay in the bubble. Uh, just a lot of testing to make sure that if someone catches the coronavirus while traveling from bubble to bubble, that it is nipped in the butt and they are stopped from spreading it to the least amount of people as possible. I think it's a good idea. I think it could possibly work just because we've seen what the NBA has done with the bubble and been able to play in a bubble and successfully have a league still. So the NFL is seriously consider it. I know it's really tough on the players to go through the bubble process. Um, I, you've seen some people come out and say how tough it is in there. But man, I'm not the type of person to say y'all are getting paid this much money. But it's it's worth it. What sports does for the world you guys, we need you right now. We need you right now to keep us positive, to keep us coming together. Um, so I think it's definitely worth considering doing a bubble. It'll be better for the player safety, better for the staff of the team safety, better for the coaching, management, uh, everyone in the bubble. And players still can opt out. So if they change this rule to where they're going to do these bubble things and more players want to opt out, the NFL should allow the players to have a chance to opt out. So, And now the number one thing that I've learned or we have learned from dealing with the world with sports and a pandemic at the same time is that uh, sports still brings us together despite everyone having to remain six feet apart. This is what I love about sports, man. Uh, this is why it is such a big passion for me. Uh, with the world in the situation it is today, the return of sports is exactly what the world needs, man. No matter your age, size, race, gender, we can all appreciate the pure entertainment of a LeBron James breakaway slam dunk a James Harden 50-point game, 
a ball nuked out of the ballpark by Aaron Judge, or even a diving catch made in center field by Mike Trout. These moments get us on our feet and get us excited all at the same time around the globe, despite having to be you know, separated and, and quarantined and socially distanced. We're all standing there at the same time in awe of what the people are doing in front of us. So I am very appreciative and would like to thank the staff, management, coaches, and players of all sports that are going to be continuing to play during these times and risking their lives you know, during these times, the worst of times maybe that I've seen in my life as far as the world's health. Myself and millions are very thankful for you for bringing some of the, the best happiness and keeping the best moments in our lives going strong even during the worst of times. So number one thing, sports still brings us together, man. That's that's the biggest thing about sports. <laughs> it makes us talk. It makes us makes us debate, whether we're debating, coming together and debating against each other, whether we're coming together and appreciating the same athlete, the stat, the game, whatever it might be, man. So I just love sports so much, and I'm, and I'm very appreciative that I'm sure all of you are listening to a sports podcast of sports continuing on. So that's the five things that we've learned from living in a world with sports during a pandemic, the first segment of the show. Definitely would like to hear your guys' response to this. What are some things that we've learned I'm going to put up a graphic probably on the Instagram, so definitely get in the comments on there or DM me on Instagram, and I'll definitely love to have a conversation about what we've learned from living with COVID in sports so far. So yeah, that's topic one. Let's move on to topic two. Are you ready? And the Lakers have won it on opening night Are the Lakers still the favorites to win the finals? Now, I know what you're probably thinking. You know, I'm a Lakers fan, obviously, right? I do think that the Lakers are still the favorites to win the finals. Definitely my favorites to win the finals, but again, I'm a Lakers fan. But I am a little bit more worried seeing how hot teams are coming out, especially with a team like the Rockets, man. Think about the Rockets-Lakers potential matchup in the second round, I believe, or even if the Lakers have to see the Trailblazers in the first round. I don't know uh, if the Trailblazers are going to be able to get into the first round. they got to get into that playing first, but... The Rockets, for example, they are red hot. Harden just dropped 50 points. And the thing about the Rockets that seems to always happen is, you know, Harden just runs out of gas of doing everything on his own by the end of the season. It's not that they haven't put teams around him. He he takes the ball and does it on his own. That's James Harden's game. But that scares me. That scares me seeing James Harden drop 50 points. Russell Westbrook dropped 31 points. They combined for 80 points together. And the Lakers just lost Rondo and Avery Bradley due to the COVID and due to injury. And I think Avery Bradley opted out for other reasons too. But the point is that they're both not going to be with the Lakers for the playoffs, for a majority of the playoffs at least. So, man, if the Rockets see the Lakers, who's going to guard Russ and Harden? We lost, I, I went to a game this season. It was Rockers, Rockets, Lakers. It was awesome, man. I, I sat, up, sat up on the fifth row. Don't ask me how much those tickets were. They were a lot. It was worth it because it was a great experience, but I just watched Russ destroy us because we don't have the guards to guard him. And we can't put LeBron on him because LeBron's got to get down low. He's got to get dirty. He can't guard Russell Westbrook. He can't guard James Harden. He can't spend his time guarding the shooting guard and the point guard. So a team with strong guards like the Rockets, if they could play just decent defense against us, are very scary. Now in a seven-game series, I'll still take the Lakers just because they're going to prevail down low. They're going to dominate down low. They got, the Rockets have no answer for Anthony Davis, so even if Anthony Davis has a bad game or two, we win the series 4-2, so I still think that the Lakers are still the favorites to win the finals, 
But seeing these red hot teams like the Rockets take down a team like the Bucks, the Bucks are famously a big team, and the Rockets beat them with a small ball game. So, man, it's definitely shaking up a lot. It's definitely shaking up a lot. I will say my dark horse team before was the Mavericks. They're not looking so hot. They lost two really close games. But I'm starting to really think that the Rockets could be a dark horse team now coming out the West. Definitely going to give the Clippers fits and definitely going to give the Lakers fits if they see each other in the playoffs. But I still will take the Lakers as the favorite to win. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, it's just too much. It's just it's just too much for teams to deal with, man. Um, and then our role players are still very deep despite losing uh, Avery Bradley and Rondo. So that's my take on it. Quick, brief. Um, I've, I've recorded this a video and audio. So if you're listening to it on the podcast, you're hearing the audio. If you're watching the video on the Instagram, you are watching the video. So I'm going to start experimenting with video podcasting more and more as we go. So I still got the Lakers as my favorite to win the NBA Finals. And there's some teams out the East that are kind of hot too. I didn't even bring up the Raptors, man. The Raptors, the Raptors are playing really well. The Raptors upset the Lakers and they're playing very well. Maybe they could upset the Bucks and find themselves in back-to-back championship series against the Lakers or Clippers. I don't know. There's some people that are saying the Raptors are going to go back-to-back. I would not say that. I would not bet on that one. But definitely one of these hot teams that got a rest uh, have a chance possibly to, to run the table out of nowhere that we don't expect. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in the NBA Finals and the NBA Playoffs. I'm excited. They're about to start, I think, here in the next week or two. I'm hoping the Lakers can still pull it off. And I still got the Lakers as my favorites to win the NBA Finals. Sorry for the abrupt interruption, but it is time for the first ever full fantasy breakdown brought to you by Mike on the Mike Sports Podcast. I plan on doing this weekly, uh, breaking down a fantasy profile for a player chosen by the followers on my Instagram page. So please just take a break, pause the podcast, or just close it and let it play in the background. Go over to Instagram right now and follow at Mike on the Mike Pod. Again, it is at Mike on the Mike Pod. I am Mike and I am on the mic on Instagram right now and and follow so you can participate in the daily polls I put up and the content that I put up. You can drop comments. Uh, I'd break a lot of news on there as well. So if you're looking for just an overall great sports page, even if you don't like this podcast, this, the Instagram page is, is definitely a really cool sports page, and, and you should definitely go check it out. I definitely would uh, suggest it to anybody. I know it's my page, but from you know the comments that I've gotten so far, people tend to like the page, so just, just go over there and check it out real quick. Anyways, every week I'm going to put up a poll probably the day after I drop the podcast. Which player do you the listener or the follower of the Instagram page, do you want to hear me do a full fantasy breakdown of? This week, it was between Odell Beckham Jr. and Carson Wentz. They both got the two most votes. Carson Wentz edged OBJ by one vote. So, you know, every vote counts to decide which player I do the full fantasy breakdown of. So, Carson got the votes. Carson Wentz is going to be our first ever full fantasy breakdown on the Mike and the Mike Sports Podcast. So, buckle up and and listen to what I got to say about Carson Wentz and his draft potential in 2020. So here it is, full fantasy breakdown of the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, Carson Wentz. Um, we'll start off by saying that in 2019, he finished with uh, just over 4,000 yards passing, 27 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. Very good stats. Um, I know he's not really a rushing touchdown type of guy or a rusher, but he added 243 yards and one touchdown on the ground that's about 30 more points added to his fantasy value he finishes the number eight qb in fantasy 
quietly. I don't think anyone really realized that, but he did finish in the top 10 last year. Um, he played two less games than, than Patrick Mahomes, but he didn't finish that far off of Patrick Mahomes' numbers. So if he can keep that up, even if Patrick Mahomes plays two more games, scores 50 more points in those two more games, maybe 60 more points, um, Carson Wentz finishes 50 or 60 points behind Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes is going in like the second round. Carson Wentz's ADP is round eight, pick five for 2020, and that's crazy. That's that's really deep for a top 10 quarterback to go. So I'm going to do a full breakdown and see if he's worth the pick at that point, and then at the end I'll do a draft or pass uh, label on Carson Wentz, and you can kind of take that into your fantasy strategy if you're looking at a possible quarterback in the later rounds. Let's look at his squad right now. Let's see Let's see what his help, his help is. I think that that has a lot to do with fantasy players, especially quarterbacks, is who they got around them to help them excel and become good fantasy quarterbacks for your team. Uh, I'm going to look at the departures for the Eagles. They lost quarterback Josh McCown. Should have zero effect on Carson because McCown was the backup quarterback. Uh, running back Jordan Howard, it could potentially hurt their running game a little bit. He's a ground-and-pound guy, so maybe the element of surprise when they're on the goal line uh, now is a little bit gone. If they put Jordan Howard in there, defenses might be thinking they're going to run and they might pass, and that gives Carson Wentz a touchdown. So that could affect a little bit. But I like Miles Sanders, man. I like Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders is a do-it-all kind of back, and I think he's going to break out this year. Um, so I'm not too worried about the departure of Jordan Howard. I see Miles Sanders kind of filling that void and becoming a true number one running back for the Eagles next year. They lost Aaron Sproles. He retired. Didn't really play anyways. Um, he's been hurt the last couple seasons, so that's not really effect on him. Wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. The only thing where I see that really hurting too much is that he probably has a good rapport with Aguilar just from playing together for a couple of seasons. So he's got to build that rapport with the new receivers, which I'm about to uh, bring up in a minute, that they added. And they lost a starting offensive lineman. I'm not even going to try and say his name. He went to the Lions. You guys can Google it. Uh, but <laughs> Yeah, so they did lose a lineman, but I feel like the Eagles will be okay. It, it, their line wasn't that terrible last year, and I feel like they have a, a replacement planned. So the departures is hardly anything to the offense. It's not going to affect them too much as far as guys they lost in the offseason. So, you know, that 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, those are pretty solid numbers. And 4,000 yards, that might stand or might only be able to improve on that because they didn't really lose anything. Now let's look at who they added slash who stayed on the team. You know, obviously Zach Ertz is a huge weapon for him and is a do-it-all tight end. I love Zach Ertz. and He's always going to be Carson Wentz's security blanket. If the Eagles are smart, they will hold on to Zach Ertz for all of his prime and and just keep this this ball rolling with the Ertz-Wentz connection. So, yeah, obviously Zach Ertz is still there, and Zach Ertz is going to be there. Um, they have orchestrated a really interesting uh, wide receiver group this year. I'd like to point this out because I watched it all developed, and I didn't know how to feel about it in the moment, so I got to fully break it down for this, and it's good to, to be able to listen to this and and hear the full breakdown of this wide receiver group because it is an interesting group for sure. Um, Deshaun Jackson is back and hopefully healthy, and, and they added a, a very similar wide receiver in Marquise Goodwin, in my opinion. I, I think that Goodwin is kind of a similar style to DJX. They're big play, fast receivers with a lot of injury problems. So, you know, Goodwin's had really good games, but he's not been able to stay healthy long enough to have a really good season. So we'll see what Goodwin brings to the table. I think Goodwin might just be an insurance plan to DJX in case DJX gets hurt and won't be as involved as DJX is, just because I feel like Deshaun Jackson's a little bit more complete than Goodwin. Goodwin's more of a fly-down-the-field kind of guy. Deshaun Jackson still has really good route running, so I think Deshaun Jackson will start um, with Goodwin being a, an extra receiver for them in their receiving core. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey will be back, hopefully, and healthy. <laughs> It's kind of a common theme with Eagles receivers, right? 
they're all injured. So just to see what Carson Wentz did with very little to work with, considering all the injuries they had last year to their receiving core, uh, it's just very, very, very impressive to see him still go for 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. That's the big one to me. Seven interceptions. Usually you get five interceptions that are not your fault. They're just the receiver's fault, and you throw another five. That's why you see most quarterbacks, even the good ones, throw 10 to 15 interceptions a season. So seven interceptions with the receivers he had. Very impressive by Carson Wentz, especially with all the injuries they had. Uh, they drafted Jalen Rager. It was a little bit of an interesting pick to me, a little bit of a reach, because I feel like he was going to fall into the second and third round maybe even. Uh, and he's got the similar style to DJX and Marcus Goodwin. He's a good route runner. Good speed, but it isn't like burner speed because he's he, he ran a four four seven, which is very fast, but it isn't the fastest guy available in the draft. So I don't understand the reach. They must see something in him. They must see something in this kid. And they must love him because there's a lot of receivers they could have picked this year, and and they reached for him a little bit. So we'll see what he ends up being. I think he's just gonna be a punt returner for now with the receiving core they have. They have guys that can kind of do what he does. So we'll see what happens. Maybe he's an insurance to an insurance. <laughs> Maybe uh, if DJX goes down and Marquise Goodwin go down, which can can happen, Jalen Rager is their triple insurance plan, and he's I think he's definitely going to return punts. But it, it's just looking at their receiving core, and like I said, it's a very interesting group that they put together. Kind of a lot of similar guys, uh, minus Alshon Jeffrey, to the to the receiving core. But, you know, looking at Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders has proven to be a solid running back on the ground and a very good check in the checkdown game, which is very good for Carson Wentz. Um, although I think he does need to have a good first half of the season to really fully give us his full help towards, you know, the guy that we're breaking down Carson Wentz's value wagon, uh, he, loaded boxes, give wide receivers and quarterbacks a lot more room in the secondary to work with on the passing game. And, you know, Sanders isn't quite drawing loaded boxes yet, in my opinion. And if he can just have a good couple games to start the season, he's going to start drawing those loaded boxes, which will in turn, give Carson Wentz and the passing game a lot more room to operate and we'll see a lot more big plays from these big play wide receivers so hopefully the Eagles come out and they start off on the ground strong I'd like to see like three straight you know 80 plus yard touchdown games for Miles Sanders to start the season that would be so awesome and if I have Carson Wentz I will be so happy to see uh, Miles Sanders establish a running game that early so that way in the future you know the defense has to kind of worry about the run game opening up the pass game for possibly my quarterback, Carson Wentz. Uh, the Eagles did draft another quarterback. Uh, they did draft Jalen Hurts. Everyone was like, whoa, 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 what are you guys doing? Why are you drafting Jalen Hurts? A lot of people are saying they may uh, do some Hurts wildcat action or or maybe have Hurts come in to be like a dual threat QB for some of the game. I just don't, I don't see it happening. I think it's unlikely that they do that. Just because Carson Wentz is too good to bring off the field in the middle of the game, especially if he's on a roll. Uh, only way I see Hurts starting or coming into the game is in the unfortunate event that Carson Wentz is injured. That's that's really the only way I see it going down that way. Or if the Eagles are blowing a team out or getting blown out. <laughs> One of those two. But uh, I think they drafted uh, Hurts as a true backup quarterback. I think that that's their plan. They like him as a quarterback. They like him as a dual-threat quarterback. Yes, I'm not saying that, that that's not true. What I'm saying is I think they drafted him as their backup quarterback. I don't think they drafted him as a wildcat quarterback. They know Wentz has a tendency to get hurt later in the season. Which for fantasy, you know, if it happens in the playoffs, your season's over already. But for the Eagles, <laughs> they might want to have a decent backup. But you know, and, and Hertz has the potential to be one of the better backups in the league. 
uh, for the time being. So I think that hurts doesn't affect Carson Wentz's value at all. I don't see him taking snaps from Carson Wentz. It's just not something that happens in the NFL, and it's not something that's going to happen in the NFL anytime soon. So I just I see uh, Hurts being a true backup. I'm liking what we're seeing so far as Wentz is a possibility uh, being a quarterback I might target to be my quarterback one in 2020 just to think if I can get him in the eighth round. That's crazy to me, or even the ninth round if he slides a little bit. Um, but before I make my final draft or pass, uh, whether I want to take him or not, let's check in with the fantasy football doctor. That's right. I have an actual doctor going to come on the show each week and give us a breakdown of his injury history, uh, if they're likely to reoccur, and if that's something that we should be worried about when we're looking at drafting Carson Wentz, as like I said, as my quarterback one, it'd be a big deal if I lost him in week two or three to a, an injury that I could have researched and found about out about that he had in the past. Without further ado, I'd like to give the mic to Dr. Natwa. Uh, let me know if I pronounced that right, man. I'm, I'm trying my best. Uh, that He's over there with Fantasy Docs. He's an actual sports medicine physician so i'm just saying this guy knows what he's talking about and you're about to hear uh his breakdown of carson wentz's injury history and what that means for his 2020 fantasy value so let's go let's get straight into it first ever injury check on the mike and the mike sports podcast injury check with the fantasy doctor some people are concerned about carson wentz because he's had a couple of injuries over the past few seasons he's been in the NFL he had a season ending ACL tear spondylolosis which is a stress fracture of the back and a concussion however last season he was a top 10 fantasy QB and he made it through the entire fantasy season I'd honestly be okay with once as my quarterback his lack of symptom recurrence for all of these injuries is pretty key first let's go over the ACL tear he's over two years removed from that which is optimal and usually is when the peak performance is shown following recovery from that ACL injury. And in, in addition to that, he's not really known for rushing yards or rushing touchdowns. So even if he was a little bit reduced in those aspects, it wouldn't really take much away from his fantasy value. In regards to his back stress fracture or that spondylolysis, he actually threw for a career high attempts, yards and completions last season and he didn't have any aggravation that's super positive for that injury because although there is a significant increase risk of recurrence of that back stress fracture the fact that he was slinging the ball last season which highly stresses that injury and he had no aggravation is very encouraging that reduces the risk for his aggravation of the stress fracture aside from last season's concussion he doesn't have a history of head injuries and with his concussion occurring at the end of the season, it was pretty prime because it ensured that he wasn't rushed back. He was able to go through the full protocol and there wasn't really any risk of him returning while experiencing any symptoms. The recent injury history of him will likely make him a cheap late round pick. And I think he's got great upside and also a pretty solid floor as well too. I'm targeting him in the double digit rounds and he should pay off. Wow, what a breakdown, man. That's that's some good stuff right there. Some very valuable information from an actual sports medicine doctor. Thank you to, to Fantasy Docs. Go check them out on Instagram. They're going to be on the show weekly as of right now, but definitely go over there and check them out. He has such good fantasy content. I've never seen a page like it, 
It is such a valuable page if you're a fantasy football player. Definitely go check it out at Fantasy Docs. That simple. So, anyways, uh, interesting because most people are super low on Wentz due to the injury concern, right? That's probably why he's going in the eighth round and going into the ninth round. But an actual sports medicine physician confirms what I've been saying about Wentz all offseason this offseason. His injuries were majority freak injuries that don't often happen. And he is locked and loaded and poised to have another 16-game productive season. Thank you, Dr. Nawa, once again. So overall, to close, I think the Eagles have a high-flying offense in 2020. The combo of D-Jax, Rager, and Goodwin give Wentz that big play potential, along with Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey as possession and making sure that they cap off their drives with touchdowns when it gets down into the red zone. At round eight, Pick five, I am super comfortable taking Wentz as my quarterback one. You said it, round eight, quarterback one, Carson Wentz. By then, I could have three stud running backs, three wide receivers, and a high-end tight end. And then being able to add Wentz, who I think is a shoe-in, to finish in the top ten for fantasy this season, man, give me that. Give me that lineup. I will take it every day of the week. My final stat projection for Wentz is 4,200 yards. 34 touchdowns and nine interceptions passing. You know, I'm not even really going to predict his rushing stats if I was to predict, probably similar to last season. Another solid year and, you know, being on the cusp of breaking the top five in quarterback value. So definitely uh, draft or pass. I'm going to say draft Carson Wentz. I think you should be targeting him. You can get so much value out of him in the eighth or ninth round. Even if you're sitting there in the seventh and you like your roster, go ahead and take Carson Wentz right there, man. It's a good pick, and it's a safe pick. And I don't think that you should be super concerned with his injury. As you know, the doctor said, you know, he's unlikely to re-injure his past injuries. They're, they're freak injuries, and they've all been late in the season. So by then, your fantasy team should be set, and you should be getting ready for the playoffs. So that's my final, final choice, draft Carson Wentz. Let's move on to the final topic. Get ready for some sports heat. That's all I got to say. I, I don't have much to say today. Except, how about them Cowboys? How about that 13 and 2? How about Dak Prescott for MVP? How about that Shannon Sharp? Welcome back. How not? <laughs> so, the final topic is going to be a little bit more controversial. Uh, I just want to talk about it because I've heard a lot of people talking about it and not really having a similar opinion to me. Most people do not have a similar opinion to me when it comes to. To the Dak Prescott situation. So here we are. We're going to talk about it a little bit. I've talked about it on the show before. But I'm going to get into the nitty gritty of why I believe what I feel about Dak Prescott and his contract situation. So the biggest thing to me that people don't realize is they need to know their role and shut their mouth. I just wanted to say that because I'm a rock fan. But anyways, they need to know what the role of each person on the teams is. So the general manager's role, the owner's role, the coach's role, all the way down to the player's role, right? Everyone has their own role into the team. And as a former player, you understand that and you see that and you go, well, I mean, Dak is doing his part, right? So let's let's just get into it, right? We'll start with the owner. The owner's role is to financially make sure the team is running fine and that the general manager is doing his job and everyone below him are doing their jobs the owner basically is there to make the profit and he's the big investor right so the owner's doing his job in dallas obviously because they're one of the most richest 
franchises probably in sports uh, overall. Jerry Jones is the owner, obviously, but he's his job is not to manage the team, right? His job is to support the manager, support the team financially, and make sure that, that the team is financially profiting, but uh, they're not really into player management. Jerry Jones does get involved in player management a lot, though. Go down to the general manager, which I believe Mike McCarthy has control of this right now. The general manager is in charge of giving the coach players to work with. That's his main job. His main job is to make sure the coach has a solid roster to coach. And we're going to go over the coach's role in a minute. Just just let me get to it. That's where things are going to start to get a little hairy. So the general manager is signing players and bringing in guys that the coach should be able to coach up and win games with. Then the general manager is doing his job. That is a general manager's role is to bring in players, right? Let's go to the coach. It is the coach's job to use the players hired by the general manager. And I'm sure the coach has say in who gets picked up and who doesn't. But it is the coach's job to use these players to the best of his ability and to the best of the team's ability to win games. So it is the coach's job to put the players in the right positions to perform and to win games. That's the key thing here. It is the coach's job to win the games for the team. There's a common misconception that it is the quarterback's job to win games. Yes, the quarterback is going out and filling his role to try and win a game. But it, it, if they lose and the quarterback performed and did his day, did his part, I blame the coach. Right? The quarterback does terrible, then yeah, you can blame the quarterback and you can blame the general manager for putting the wrong quarterback in the position for the coach to try and have success with. But if the quarterback is performing in the position that the coach is putting them in, which is their job, the coach's job, to put the players in the position for them to perform to the best of their ability, then it's not the quarterback's fault when they lose games. So now let's get down to the player's role. This is where I start to get upset because this is where people have a giant misconception on Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott too. When put in the position where they are asked to perform, which is what the player's job is. That is what they are paid to do. They are paid to perform in the position they are put in by their coach. And their coach is supposed to win the game if they perform. With his game plan. With his studying of the other team. Knowing his players. All of that. And it's the player's job to perform in the position they are put in. So, I have a question. Dak Prescott went for 5,000 yards over 30 touchdowns last season. He was put in the position to perform, and what did he do? He performed with the best of them. He was the top five fantasy quarterback just because he scored so many damn points, right? And people say that Dak Prescott does not deserve a franchise type of contract, a franchise quarterback type of contract. Let me tell you something. Jason Garrett doesn't deserve a contract because when Jason Garrett said, hey, Dak, can you go out there and throw touchdowns? Can you go out there and not throw interceptions? Can you go out there and throw yards? Can you move the ball down the field? Can you move the team down the field? What did Dak Prescott do? He did exactly that, right? He filled his role. He did his job. This is the thing with Bill Belichick, something that, that makes his organization so successful. His motto is just do your job. Just do the job I ask you to do, and everything else will fall into place for you. So why when Dak Prescott does the job in Dallas or when Ezekiel Elliott does the job in Dallas, are we saying it's not enough? Are we blaming them for losing? That's the biggest thing that irks me. Oh, the Cowboys have a bad record. They went 8-8. Eight eight. Dak Prescott threw for 5,000 yards. 
30 touchdowns. They did not go 8-8 eight and eight because of Dak Prescott. They went 8-8 eight and eight for many other reasons that are not Dak Prescott. Now, if Dak Prescott is asked to perform and he goes out and he has 15 touchdowns and 20 interceptions, then I can see you saying, okay, Dak Prescott does not deserve a contract. Dak Prescott is not performing when he's asked to perform. What I am telling you is when he goes out there and is asked to perform, he performs, right? When Patrick Mahomes goes out there and is asked to perform and do his job, he does his job and everyone praises him. Lamar Jackson does his part and everyone praises him. Tom Brady for all those years goes out. He doesn't always have wow stats every game, but he does his job. He does what Bill Belichick asked him to do and everyone praises him. So why when Dak Prescott goes out there and does his job and does what he's asked to do, does everyone hate on him? Why when Ezekiel Elliott goes out and does his job and does what he's asked to do, does everyone hate on him? That's the questions I have because it's the player's job just to go out there and perform. It's not the player's job to worry about win-loss. Yes, they are contributing to winning. They're contributing to the game plan made by the coach that he believes will win. And if it does not end up in wins, it is the coach's fault. It is not the player's fault. Now, when we talk about the actual contract itself, do I think that Dak Prescott is as good as Patrick Mahomes? No. But you understand this. Patrick Mahomes is a generational talent. In my opinion, he might be the best overall quarterback, talent-wise, that I've ever seen. And I might be young, but I studied the history of football. I have never seen anyone that can do everything the way Patrick Mahomes can do. Can launch the ball 75 yards down the field, can run with the best of the running quarterbacks, and can he has is very accurate, very very high awareness, all of that. He's, he's a 99 overall in everything, in my opinion. That's who we're comparing Dak Prescott to, because Dak Prescott's playing the same league as him. Now, take out Patrick Mahomes. Take out Lamar Jackson. He's just a freak of nature. Dak Prescott's up there with the best of the quarterbacks in the league. He deserves a contract just as much as a Kirk Cousins deserves a contract. He deserves a contract just as much as a Carson Wentz deserves a contract. And we just talked about Carson Wentz. He deserves... Philip Rivers got a $25 million contract. Would you rather have Philip Rivers for your franchise at his age right now? Or would you rather have Dak Prescott? And how much more is Dak Prescott worth than Phillip Rivers. Is it $5 million? Is it $10 million? I think it's $10 million, Just because Dak Prescott has a whole career ahead of him. Think about it for a second. Just sit there and think about it. Where do you rank Dak amongst quarterbacks in the NFL? A lot of people have him outside the top 10. I think he's right around 10 as far as just pure quarterback. But his output and his performance is up there with the best. So he deserves to get paid with the best. If you go out and do the job the coach asks you to do, no matter win or lose, you are doing your job. You deserve to be paid at the level that you are doing your job. Dak Prescott does deserve to get paid. He does deserve a long-term deal. Does he deserve the Patrick Mahomes 10-year deal? No. But saying $35 million a year or $32 million a year, 33 whatever they could try and talk him down to, anything above uh, 33 I would say, up to 40. I think is very fair for four or five years for Dak Prescott. And if the Cowboys are going to sleep on him and they're going to let him go, let him go. There are other teams that would love to have him. I'm telling you, he will, he will get a big contract elsewhere very quickly. So yeah, that's my take on it. Everyone needs to know their role and shut their mouth. They need to know the player's role. They need to know the coach's role. They need to know the general manager's role. They need to know the owner's role. 
The players fulfilling his role. The coach fulfills his role. The general manager fulfills his role. You win a Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs. Patriots. All these teams that won the Super Bowl in the last couple of years. Any of them don't fulfill their role, they probably lose a lot of games. And that is what was happening in Dallas. So, get off of Dak's back. Let him go get his money. And stop trying to hold him back with all these, they went 8-8 eight and eight and all that. That is the coach's fault. I do not blame a player that went for 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards for going 8-8. Eight and eight. If they throw 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards and they go 8-8, eight and eight, there's no way that I'm blaming the player, one player, the quarterback, for their failure. So let's see what he does with Mike McCarthy. Because watch the Cowboys go 10-6 and six this year or 11-5 and five and make the playoffs. And Dak has a great season still. And I could sit here and say, I told you, man. Dak is doing his job, and now he's swinging on a franchise tag. So what more do you got to say? That's what I'm going to say at that point. Anyways, that's what I got to say about the Dak Prescott situation. Please uh, message me if you have any disagreements. I know you do. I know you're sitting there listening, man. But he lost all the good teams, or he lost eight of games, or he's never won a playoff game. All this. I know that. I know you had that all in your head right now. That. That's fine. You can consider this one of my rants. A lot of people don't agree with my rants. But I'm just saying that as a former player, if I get five interceptions in a season, you know, I play corner. If I get five interceptions in a 16-game season and I'm not getting burnt, why would I be sitting there on a team that's 4-12 and be like, yeah, I don't deserve it. I'm the reason that we lost all those games because... You know, even though I had the stats and I, I performed, I did my job, I did exactly what they asked me to do. I don't deserve the money because we went 4-12. and 12. I'm not going to ask for it. That's what you guys want Dak to do. It's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of a ridiculous thing, and we all need to halt the phone and stop hating on Dak Prescott. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Definitely message me and let me know your opinion on the Dak Prescott situation. I hope you enjoyed the show, man. What a great great start inaugural episode to the Mike on the Mike sports podcast i thank you all for listening i thank you all for following and interacting with me on the social media pages i thank you all for everything that you do and making this dream of becoming a sports podcaster true for me it really means a lot uh, i just want you to stop what you're doing right now do one more little promotion and follow us on spotify and apple podcasts i notice a lot of people follow us on the Instagram page, and a lot of people follow us on Facebook and stuff like that, and they and they they enjoy the content that's being put out, but they're not following on Apple and Spotify, so you're not getting the podcast episodes right when they come out. You're getting them after I post them on Instagram and all that, trying to promote them. So follow; it'll save you some time, and you'll be alerted every time I drop a new episode. Yep, that's it. That's the show. I thank you for listening. I'm going to finish every episode with a inspirational sports quote every episode i will finish with an inspirational sports quote to inspire you for the next week until i can get you a new quote so this week the quote is going to be do you know what my favorite part of the game is the opportunity to play that is a quote from mike singletary thanks for listening have a great week everyone